0: Welcome to Africa in Transition, a CFR podcast discussing political and security developments across sub Saharan Africa. My name is John Campbell. I am the Senior Fellow for Africa Policy Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations. I am joined today by Comfort Arrow of the International Crisis Group. In April, Crisis Group published a comprehensive an engaging report on the pre-election environment in Congo, Electoral Poker in the DRC. I strongly encourage you to read it. Comfort has been Program Director for Africa at Crisis Group since 2011. She also worked for the UN Mission in Liberia from 2004 to 2007, and she holds a doctorate from the London School of Economics. She's based in Nairobi, Kenya. Welcome, Comfort.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. We are going to
0: be discussing today the upcoming elections in the Democratic Republic of Congo, currently scheduled for December 23, 2018. President Joseph Kabila, president since 2001, has seemingly indicated that he will not contest the election. However, he has already overstayed his term of office, which ended in 2016. Comfort, I think probably we should start with the most basic question of all. And that is, why does the DRC matter? Why should we care about elections in the DRC?
1: When we're talking about the most significant country at the heart of Africa, Where we've seen um, already it's among the world's worst humanitarian crisis, um, estimated 4.5 million um, IDPs in the country, um, a further 2.8 refugees um, in the region around it. And um, if we don't get DRC Congo right, after 16 or 20 years of international engagement, um, we're likely to see further instability in the region. What happens in in Congo has a significant impact on regional stability, um, both to its east and to its west and to its south as well. And after 20 years of international peacekeeping and various attempts at state building, peace building, this is the most critical time in getting the elections right so that we can close that chapter and begin the hard work of of governance in DRC.
0: Will elections, presuming they take place Mm -hmm. in December, be a step in the right direction?
1: It's a fundamental step in the right direction. After successive efforts by the international community, by the region, um, by Congolese, to put in place a system of governance, um, we are at a critical juncture in the country. 2006 was an optimistic moment. Um, when we saw the country um, go to elections, 2011 was a was a failure, was a step in um, in the wrong direction, and here we are after various um, efforts by the president to delay those elections. Here we are. We have one more hurdle to to overcome. Um, there's still doubts as to whether we can get the elections. There's still doubt as to whether the president himself will entertain the elections. 2006. Mm-hmm
0: elections that were widely regarded as credible. That's right. Uh, I was living in Nigeria at the time, Mm -hmm. and I remember the the great optimism Mm -hmm. that 2006 seemed to be a major turning point. But then 2011, with much less involvement by the international community, Mm -hmm. much less involvement by various African regional organizations, a distinct step backwards. Mm -hmm. How did we get to where we are now?
1: Well, I think we have a situation now where, I mean, it's, it's worth noting in the region itself um, that there has been less appetite to follow the constitution. Yes. And if there's one region where the question of third-termism has come up and has been challenged, it has been the Central Africa region. It's a very different story in West Africa, yes. um, but whereas what we see very much, so even in in parts of East Africa and, and then in the centre, is this is this authoritarian drift. So the neighbours of, of the DRC are in the same conundrum, where the constitution has been challenged, where referendums have been held, or another situation where you have in, in Burundi, where um, you know you have this enforced referendum, that gives the license to the president to to use the arusha agreement that that brought the government um into, into a power sharing an arrangement so it's a region where the constitution is under threat um where power sharing um agreements are are, are under threat and where there's no appetite for for a change in government and where the incumbent is able to manipulate the environment in such a way to stay on in power now we have a very complex conundrum in the DRC where um, we had a San Sylvester agreement put in place on the 31st of December 2016 that sort of suggested here's a pathway out of this crisis that we have now in terms of transfer of power. An agreement that, that suggests that we recognize president kabila as the leader but we are going to also put forward an, an agreement that tries to work out how we get to a trans, tra- transfer of power or transition um from kabila to the next um to, to a new government as well so it's been a, it's been a delicate sort of an attempt by various actors to st- stitch together a pathway that will help the country out of the current hurdle it's it's an, a difficult hurdle but one that i think a number of Congolese, particularly the Catholic Church, have come together to help facilitate.
0: I think you're making an extremely important point Mm -hmm. when you say that from the perspective of... Democracy mm-hmm. and, the human, and human rights. Right. Mm-hmm. Congo is in a very rough neighborhood. Right. It's mm-hmm. very different from the situation mm-hmm. in West Africa, yeah. where there have been g- credible elections, mm-hmm. uh, where a complete transfer of power in Nigeria, or in South Africa, mm-hmm. where again mm-hmm. a major change in leadership, but all done strictly according to the, uh, to the rule of law. Mm-hmm. Congo is in a much more difficult, much more difficult position. How exactly does politics work in the DRC? Who are the principal actors? Is there a legitimate opposition? Is ethnicity a a factor? And what about the Catholic Church?
1: Key sort of principal actors is the president himself Mm -hmm. and his majority um, ruling um, party. And then you've still got the ancient historical party of Etienne um, Chisegure, although he's passed away, his son has taken Mm -hmm. over. The person who's sort of seen as a perceived to be a threat, at least by right. um, Kabila, but an opposition is Moise uh, Kutumba. The Catholic Church is also another prominent actor. It has played a mediation facilitation role, gone to the streets, sort of protesting, it's playing a, a very critical role now in terms of positioning itself very clearly on the, the elections, um, the election process. It played an important role um, at the end of December 2016 in delivering what is known as the San Silvestre um, peace agreement that laid down the sort of the pathway to getting us to the an elections and very key principles laid out there to help deliver an election process as well. So those are those are the constituent actors, but in terms of the the primary actors that we are sort of watching as we get up to lead up to the elections, if they, if they happen. Kabila's right at the top, he's majority party. But the other key institutions, or key institutions that will be instrumental in delivering credible elections is the SENI, the Constitutional Court, and we've seen in, in um, recently there have been three new judges, and two of them are very close to Kabila. Um, Kabila, what kind of person is he? Isolationist. Isolationist. Um, reclusive, keeps his cards to his chest. He doesn't sort of make up his mind very easily. But he had his very first significant press conference at the end of at the start of this year where he suggested progress towards the elections. You know, he came into power ten days after his father was assassinated, thrust into the centre stage, and he's been surrounded by uh, a very strong clique and it's sometimes very hard to, to read him. And I think that's why a number of people are are wondering whether this current path will stick, that at any given time, should he judge it differently, should may retreat from the current path towards elections and go back to the formula that he has sort of held for the last two years, which is the glissmon, which is to delay the elections.
0: Does he, mm-hmm. or is he able mm-hmm. to establish a rapport with the Congolese people? One thinks, for example, of people like at one extreme, in mm. Krumah, in in Ghana, mm. or Nelson Mandela uh, mm. in South Africa, at the other, they were able to establish a kind mm. of organic uh, uh, link
1: or connection. In fact, it was done by Jason Stearns. I think the the Congolese mm. research group came up with a very interesting survey. I think it was last year that su- suggested that the the polls were heavily slanted against Kabila. That the the population itself um, is exhausted and, and mm-hmm. aggrieved with him if they were credible, and if there was a strong, robust opposition in which to contest that vote, um, all indications suggest that he would lose it as well. And Krum is a, a different character altogether. Having said that, the Congolese, however, to have a very clear sense of nationhood, we are Congolese, and a very strong nationalistic impulse as well. Does he represent that? today, there are huge question marks about that. It's an extremely interesting mm. point. Mm. My own
0: experience mm. has been that almost against what one would expect, mm-hmm. uh, Congo has an extremely strong sense of national identity. Yes, The right. Congolese, mm. no matter what their ethnic group, yeah. know mm. that they're Congolese. Yeah.
1: And mine is whoever is at the head of the, of the, of the presidency. And I think also there's a, there's, a, there's a strong sense of understanding what our path has to be which is why I think you've seen this very strong contest between him and the citizens of the country, regardless of the, popu- regardless of the opposition mm-hmm. as well, that, that the opposition are not necessarily representative of the population mm-hmm. and that they themselves are very frustrated with political elites of whatever cloth they come from. Mm-hmm. Now,
0: your report mm-hmm. makes the point mm-hmm. that the opposition is fragmented. You've just added an additional dimension to Mm, it. mm -hmm. The opposition is fragmented, but also at least somewhat divorced from the Congolese people. Yes. Just as the Kabila government is. Yes,
1: right. And it's partly why we also wrote the report that we did um, about a year and a half ago about the potential for street protests and the ability of the opposition to, to mobilize and move people forward, they act independent of the opposition, is is my sense. I think the biggest challenge to delivering the elections also is the role of the opposition as well, Mm -hmm. and making sure that they participate, that they don't decide to boycott or or they refuse to to take part. And I think that the, the elections is very much contingent on their performance as well. Right now, the position of the opposition, I think, is causing a lot of headaches in terms of how fragmented they are and how weak they are. And if they don't themselves, you know, hold and maintain a unified position as well, it makes it very difficult to deliver a credible legitimate, an illegitimate outcome. So the challenge for the opposition within the, within the limits of its own space um, is to continue to press for a number of the key issues um, within San Sylvester, particularly with the Seni, and ensuring a very transparent process. One of the things that San Silvestre did talk about was um the release of political prisoners and making sure there's a sort of level playing field for the opposition as well the, the biggest challenge um for for them. But I think to boycott and to refuse doesn't get them very far and it plays directly into the hand of the majority mm-hmm. and it's also mm-hmm. an opposition that unfortunately because it's been it, because it's weak and because it's it's fragmented, Kabila has also been able to sustain himself. And he's also been able to buy off some opposition.
0: Co-opting co-opt,
1: um yeah. Co-opting some. Getting them to focus on very clear social, economic issues. Getting them to distinguish themselves from the legacies of, of Kabila. Getting them to stand on, on the key platforms instead of Kabila must go. I think is is part of the challenge as well. And I think it's also part of the frustration of the public as well. That in the end, what is what is it that divides all of you? From what we have now, we may change the leader. do we change the system of governance that governs the country? will be the challenge I think for whoever were to succeed if we got to that stage of so,
0: so the political dialogue then yeah. is mm. not so much about issues or at least hasn't been up to now no more there... about personality
1: there is personality and and I think one of the one of the the things that We've tended to sort of push against is to get away from the personality. There's a is a tendency for the international to sort of anoint somebody as though that person could be the savior of a particular country that has been unstable for successive years, and it's not quite clear what that person's going to do differently. So there are there are people that one, especially one person that, that the international sort of looked upon. Not all the internationals, but but certain quarters of the international have looked upon. Um, as though that person is going to sort of get the the DRC out of its fix. And I think what we are suggesting is that there are key principles, as enshrined in San Sylvester, that are are critical to getting us to the elections. There are key issues that need to be addressed around the, the economy, the social standard of the country, the dire humanitarian situation, and just rebuilding the government and rebuilding governance in the country. And it's not quite clear that any one of the the candidates, the choices that DRC has are not spectacular in terms of writing the country's current dilemma as well. So, I, you know, I wouldn't pin my hopes on any one individual.
0: We Americans certainly have a long history mm-hmm. of searching for African heroes. Yes, right. We find one.
1: And they're there. I mean, it's not that they aren't there. I'm just saying that in the DRC context that we have to move away from an, an individual being able to sort of write everything that's problematic in the, in the DRC and recognizing that the day after is also is going to be a sort of a critical first step for whoever comes into to the presidency of of the DRC whether it's somebody chosen by by Kabila himself that sort of reassures him or somebody who is is sort of an opponent to him which also raises a lot of, number of dilemmas as well
0: well, moving beyond, moving beyond mm. politics mm. Uh, and political will, which mm. is essentially what we've been talking about, mm. the actual conduct of elections yeah. in Congo must mm. be extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. Huge country, mm. Uh, mm. infrastructure broken down, mm. ongoing essentially warfare, even at mm. the low level mm. in the East. It, it's going to be hard to actually have yeah. elections.
1: It's going to be very hard, and we have a situation now where there's there's some controversy over the decision by by the elections um, commission Seni mm-hmm. to want to use um, um, voter machines, and we we still need to have an audit on that. Voter registration has has happened um, somewhat successfully. There's an there's an audit on that as well. But delivering elections, you know, in this massive country, more complicated than Nigeria, you and I would agree. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, you know, Indeed. and there's a lot there's a lot of issues around the trust of the Elections Commission, about its transparency, being close to the presidency, alongside with other key institutions of state, i.e. the Constitutional Court, been another one. I think there are question marks about the logistics, about the performance of the seni, about the performance of other key institutions, the police, all of them seen as as compromised and and sort of too close to to the presidency to, to convince population of the possibility of having legitimate, credible, free and fair elections, that the playing field is, is pretty skewed, pretty uneven in favor of, of the ruling party of Kabila. And a lot of work is and has to be done to convince the opposition, to con- convince um, civil society, to convince population that they're entering into an election that they can walk out of and say that it's somewhat credible. Um, and that's wow. a big challenge.
0: Well, and the sort of high tech approach mm-hmm. to the conduct of mm-hmm. elections mm-hmm. we all saw what happened in Kenya yes. last year. <laughs> I mean yeah simply because something is high-tech right. may or may not mean that it will work. Yeah, It's rather interesting how in the United States there's an increasing reversion to the use of paper ballots.
1: There is, and we've seen it in a number of other Western governments um, that there is sort of a reverse back to the paper. And here we are going into a country, no infrastructure, no electricity, mm-hmm. a lack of faith um, in, in various key institutions and expecting it that it could deliver. It is one of the key challenges for Seni, but I think there are other big issues that it needs to mm-hmm. sort, sort of address, just the share logistics and moving all the ballot boxes to the right places, yes. you know, moving all the, getting all the stations up and running, moving people to the, key, to, to the key destinations in key provinces where violence is still on. You, you refer to the, the east of the country. And so it's, it's going to be quite staggering to deliver this election when you judge it against the kind of infrastructure and the fact Also, that there's certain areas that are just not necessarily accessible to get voters in. You know, and then there's a question about, you know, international observers, you know, the timing in which they come into the country and their role that they will play. So there's a lot of heavy lifting to be done. Your really
0: quite excellent report indicates that there is more or less Mm -hmm. an international and African consensus that Kabila must hold elections and that he should not contest them. Can you talk about the various scenarios that are out there Mm -hmm. and which of the foreign actors are most important?
1: I mean, certainly towards the end of last year, um, 2017, and the start of this year, there seemed to be coming together by the region and the international actors, particularly the Africa Union, also that you know, there has to be elections this year. In a sense, in which Kabila was beginning mm-hmm. to sense that, and you know, he made this um, rare press statement, um, press um, conference in January of this year, and he gave a, a sort of indication that there would be elections, but there will be Congolese-led elections and, and financed elections. So, in a sense, we've shifted from the initial plan A of glissement delaying the elections to plan B. But I think plan B being that um, there will be elections and that he would name a successor. And that um, he would not run himself. And he would not run himself. So the, there are risks, of course, for for him, um, for the majority party um, in terms of des, um, deciding who a successor is. But I, I think as we speak as well, um, we're beginning to notice that Kabila is, is wobbly, he's getting cold feet. There's been suggestions in the last few days. Questions have been raised about whether Kibiling himself will put himself into the into the mix and and run. So the idea of a third term, and we've been watching very closely uh, members of his own majority sort of testing the possibility of this. The argument that that we think that they're making, um, is that is sort of a technical legality around the 2011. Constitution arguing that you know they changed the ele- electoral law from what it was in, in 2006 of two rounds to sort of a single simple majority this time round and then to suggest that if we go with that technical explanation or technical interpretation of the constitution that we can reset the process and the third term issue doesn't come up. So mm-hmm.
0: running a third time mm-hmm. might conceivably be a constitutional. Or at least an argument could be made yes. that it would be constitutional.
1: Yes. And, you know, these things are open to legal interpretations. And, and he, he may decide to leave it to the lawyers to play it out, and we'll, we have to wait, wait and see. So we've got Plan 1.1, mm-hmm. um, and now we've got Plan 1.2. We don't know which way it's, go, it's going to go. Though what? if it
0: goes to the judges, mm-hmm. the majority of the most senior judges are tied to Kabila in one way or another.
1: Yes, and these three, you know, the, the the recent appointment of three um, new judges, two of them at least, being close to Kabila is also another signal that he may be getting cold feet and that they may be entertaining or look, looking mm-hmm. at ways in which to, yeah. to get him and to stand And when you say in. he
0: may be getting cold feet, mm. you mean that he may be getting cold feet about not running.
1: About not running, yes. And, and, and I think still very worried about you know, his future, you know, concerned about who the successor would be as well, if it wasn't somebody either he chose or if it wasn't himself. And of course, the majority mm-hmm. themselves are worried about their own future as well. so that's so there, there are two scenarios within plan plan B, and of course plan A is still very much there as well, which is further delay. Now in terms of your other question, international, the key international yeah. actors, you know, I would say that the principle, the, the ones that really matter today lies in the region. And in the Southern Africa region, Angola particularly, South Africa of course, and Zimbabwe. And what's what's interesting is that we have seen a leadership change in the region. You know, First with de Santos um, mm-hmm. leave stepping down, and Lorenzo coming in. Um, we saw what happened with Mugabe, and now with Sura Ramaphosa taking over from from Zuma as well. But and there's a and there's an appetite. There's a sense in which the region, although its public pronouncements are still very carefully crafted. There's a sense also in which there is frustration that they want to get over this hurdle, you know, with the DRC, you know, and there are reasons for all of them to be very concerned, Angola being the, the one most worried with the refugee situation. So they, for me, are, are the, the three principal actors and, the, and the, head, the head leader, I think, right now is Angola. Um, at the wider international um, level, we've seen the Africa Union in the form of the chairperson making various pronouncements. We've seen him send send his own personal emissaries to the region, and then at the level of the Security Council, we have noticed monthly um, monthly debates on on the DRC. There's a suggestion of a possible visit by the council um, in mm-hmm. in August. Should that happen, that will be another form of pressure, and that will keep the momentum on the on the table. And I think it's worth pointing out to your listeners that um, a significant development happened on the on the twenty ninth of May, where Lorenzo, in his own press conference with um, President Macron, made a very sort of warning to Kabila that, you know, the the region reserves the right to protect itself from destabilisation, and Macron was sort of agreeing with that as well. You know, and, and there was a suggestion that he had allied himself very closely to Lorenzo's statement. So, again, that's a significant development because in terms of strategic partners, there's always been question marks about where certain Western countries stood on the future of of Kabil and, and this decision by Macron is, is also quite significant.
0: I agree. I think it's extremely significant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's also interesting mm-hmm. that the African Union mm-hmm. and, and its membership mm-hmm. does not pursue a strict definition of sovereignty, such mm-hmm. as common in the West. Mm-hmm. In other words, that mm-hmm. the African Union reserves the right to intervene in yes. the affairs mm-hmm. uh, of a member state.
1: Yeah. And um, we'll see. We'll see. There have been areas where we've seen that they've been shy, where they've been on the back foot and or retreated. Burundi, is mm-hmm. is is the most immediate one. Mm-hmm. Arguably um, Zimbabwe. Arguably Zimbabwe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know when we've seen them where where they have played a more positive role and they've and they've they've taken a lead. Mm-hmm. So so it might, but we have right now a, a leadership of the African Union Commission that is sort of signalling you know, in the same way as as the region is, and, and there's a sense in which we, we've got to get over this current dilemma that we have in the DRC, you know, is that we want to see an election. The the form of the election, I think, is, is another key concern that we need to address, making sure that it's credible enough to prevent violence, and making sure it's as satisfactory enough to avoid um, va- violence and managing the day after as well. And mm-hmm. you've made the
0: point earlier mm-hmm. that the stakes in the Congo mm-hmm. for Congo's neighbors mm-hmm. is very high. Mm-hmm. There's a general recognition mm-hmm. that if the political system in Congo breaks down, mm-hmm. it it will spill over That's uh, right. into, into its neighbors, mm-hmm. which means its neighbors very much feel it has a stake in yes. what yeah. uh, in what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, traditionally, we all, we've often talked about the neighbors on the other side, Uganda, Rwanda, and Rwanda yeah. particularly. And I think there's a lot of sort of watching of what th- these three new leaders in the region themselves are going, um, to, do. Are going to do. One of them has you know, significant domestic issues to deal with and, and delivering an ANC um, victory in, in South Africa is is number one priority for Syrian Ramaphosa. Fixing the economy is also in, is mm. sort of tied to that as well. So, but, and we've been watching what uh, Lorenzo is, is mm-hmm. doing. And I think it partly also explains why another recent action by Kabila was to announce the appointment of, an, of a new ambassador to mm-hmm. Um Somebody, um, Didier Kadiza, somebody who has his confidence, 100% trust, knows the family. And I think his job is to, again, sort of fill... Sound out um, Angola, get a sense mm-hmm. of them. But it also sh- shows you just how serious they they take um, Angola. Angola, you know the development in the last week or so, last two weeks or so, with them trying to, s- to test out the waters on a third term again. You know, it's it's yet you know it could be one more attempt by Kabila to sort of see well, can I divide? Oh, absolutely. You know, the region, the international community. Has he miscalculated? Has he misread the community? Will the community stand firm? You know, will, will the consensus hold? It's welcome. Will it hold? Is, is, I think, everything that we need to watch between now and uh, July, when we need to start thinking about the, the candidates and then start focusing on the logistics of the elections. And
0: July is very close.
1: Uh, about six weeks away. <laughs> about six weeks away. <laughs>
0: yeah. The bottom line, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. are you optimistic that elections will take place that are credible?
1: Those are two different questions. (laughs) They are. They are two different questions. Yes. Um, Look, we started off this year seeing Kibila making pronouncements that that suggest we'll have elections, but they'll be Congolese. Which implies not
0: being run by outsiders. Outsiders.
1: And here we are coming into June, and we're seeing some sort of maneuverings by party members. We're seeing also, you know, key allies coming into the constitutional court. So it's hard to, to, to predict. I mean, we can be having a conversation at the start of January that says we're still in the glissement, in the, in the well, delay we, mode. We, we're not taking anything off the table. And then it's still very much the regime that is guiding, navigating, determining how things are. How, how things work out. How things work out, yeah. Mm.
0: Well, thank you very much for thank what's you. been an extraordinarily interesting discussion.